insights, unpredictable conversations, encouragement for your day. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. All right, we are in our two territory now. Same phone number, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. And if you want to send me an email, patrick at relevantradio.com. Now, uh, several people have written in to add their own suggestions for good sports movies for kids or for families in general. I said a couple of them, uh, including Facing the Giants. And uh, Rebecca in Philadelphia, she says, double-teamed Rudy. When the game stands tall, remember the Titans in Field of Dreams. Yeah, but Field of Dreams is not a not really a good movie for kids. And if you've seen the movie, Rebecca, you know why. There are a couple scenes. But other than that, um, it, it is an interesting movie, though. Uh, I did see Remember the Titans, and I liked it. So I'm glad to add that to the list. The other movies that you mentioned I'm not familiar with, but I'll take your word for it. Thank you. Also, uh, Christine in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, wrote in to say that her family's favorites that they watch every year are The Rookie, which is a baseball movie, Rudy, football, and Hoosiers, basketball. Uh, that starred, uh, what was his name? Oh, what was his name? He played in a bunch of movies. I can see his face, but his name will come to me. Um, yeah, I liked Hoosiers. That was a good Indiana basketball game. Hoosiers? And, yeah, is that Hoosiers. the one that you couldn't think of the... The, the name of the actor. I yeah, can see he his was, face. Uh, he, was Lex, he was Lex Luthor in Superman. Yes, he was. Uh, Gene Hackman. Gene, Gene Hackman. Everyone is, everyone is screaming at their radios right yeah. now. It's, it's Gene, Gene Hackman. Hackman. Oh, I know. I'll get emails. Um, yeah, Gene Hackman. He's still alive, by the way. He's in his 90s now. So, yeah, yeah, good for him. I don't know if he's making movies anymore. But that no, was he, a good He's movie. done. He's retired. And she says, Christine says, we love McFarland USA too. I figured you would. It's a good movie. Um, and was there another one? It seems like there was what one or like two other ones. about like Happy Gilmore or Dodgeball? <laughs> Here's my thing <laughs> about those, those movies. movies or not. Well, they're raunchy. That's the problem is uh, you've got, it, right, they're strike funny. It from the record. Strike it. Well, okay. So let's talk about that for a minute. So Dodgeball, the premise is funny. Um, you know, the acting is funny. I, I I agree that all of that part is funny, but they mess it up with the raunchy stuff, and that's the part I don't like. And I don't want to I don't want to watch that with my kids. I don't want them to watch that. So that's my objection. I wish they wouldn't junk up the movies. Yeah, that's too bad. Um, this is from Patricia listening on the relevant radio app, and she says if she has a thought about not keep, keeping score in school sports. If enough places do this, what will happen to college and professional sports? That's a good point. She says, I'm not much of a sports fan apart from the Olympics, but I feel the same way you do. Sportsmanship and keeping score are normal and not mutually exclusive. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think that makes a lot of sense. 888-914-9149. Also, Anonymous in Minneapolis says, uh, we had a, where where is it? We had a JV baseball team in high school, ninth and 10th grade boys. Halfway through the game, the coach would ask those who haven't battled yet to raise, batted, excuse me, haven't batted yet to raise their hand. He followed no rules for the lineup and put kids in willy-nilly so they could bat. It wasn't even close to backyard baseball rules. How he got away with it is beyond me, 
The kids were good sports and laughed it off, but while the coach was a nice guy, they weren't impressed with him as a coach. That's interesting. So he just put kids in in no particular batting order, and he just wanted to give the kids a chance to play baseball and get to bat. I, I'm guessing, you didn't say this anonymous, but I'm guessing that team probably didn't win a lot of games because there's a certain science to which batter you put in at which time and all of the above. So that's an interesting insight. Thank you. This is from Mike in Chicago. He's listening on our 90 or 9.50 a.m. station. He says, I coach varsity boys basketball in Chicago public schools. A lot of talent has come out of that league. Needless to say, I have been on both sides of those blowout losses. As you mentioned, there is a good way and a wrong way to go about blowing out another team. I have to tell you, when we lose by 40 points or whatever, if I ever looked at my teenage athletes from Chicago's inner city and said, well, hey, you smiled a lot. And that's a winning attitude. So good job. I'd instantly lose credibility with my kids. They're looking to me to figure out how to get better. And you're right. They thrive on competition. They want to be better. And it's my job to get them better. And when we win by a large margin, they win with class and high fives to the other team because they know what it's like to be on the other side. Everything is an opportunity to learn. That, that is perfect, Mike. At least I agree with you. So I guess that makes it perfect. Well, lastly, uh, this, is a mo this is a note that comes in from John listening on Cape Cod, and he says, please see the opening scene in Patton. The comments on winning are priceless. Well, Cyrus, hop to it. Let's see if we can find those opening comments. I saw the movie long ago, but I don't remember what he had to say about winning. So that could be cool. Thank you, John. We'll, we'll check it out. 888-914-9149. How about Justin now in St. Paul, Minnesota? Good morning, Justin. Morning. Hi, Patrick. Um, I wanted to share a movie recommendation as well. Um, yeah. I'm married, have six children, and they range from ages nine down to seven months. And so it, this was kind of good for everybody. Really inspiring sports movie. Mm -hmm. It's about the Little League Kids World Series um, in the 60s, either the 60s or the 50s. It's okay. called The Perfect Game, made okay. in 2009. And the team is from Monterey, Mexico, so very poor don't have even basic equipment to train and they're okay. led by a Catholic priest. Oh. Um, and it's a pretty good, pretty solid depiction of a Catholic priest, pretty honoring to the priesthood. I think, um, funny enough played by Cheech Marin, <laughs> <laughs> uh, really kind of funny there, but uh, Cheech and Chong are out there factory repping their, uh, pot, pot chewables. Now that's all over social media. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Well, this was uh, no reference to that kind of thing in this movie. Um, okay. The only kind of That's good. thing to watch out for is there is some um, uh, alcoholism that is portrayed by okay. another guy they bring in to help coach. But otherwise, this super underdog team has to face incredible challenges, and they go into the U.S. to compete in this World Series championship, and they face oppression and racism there, and mm -hmm. um, they have to overcome those things. And they actually start winning over American kid team players, even though their coaches are you know, really awful to this team from Monterey, mm. um, just with their kind of, they're smaller than everybody else. They're working harder than everybody else. And they start to win the respect of the other boys. Oh. And it's this really triumphant movie. Really good. The perfect game. And what's it called again? The perfect game. Oh, I'm sorry, the perfect game. Uh, the perfect game. Are there tacos involved at any point along the way? 
Because even just that. I don't remember, but it's uh, probable. (laughs) The Perfect Game. I had not heard of that movie, Justin. Well, thank you for recommending it. Yeah. Yeah. And is it suitable for families? I mean, is there any raunch in it or anything that's going to shock parents if their kids are watching it? No raunch. Just if there is a depiction of drinking, that's about it. Okay. Well, I mean, that too can be a teachable moment. You tell your kids, hey, look, look what happens. You know, if you abuse alcohol, so that could be maybe a plus. Did they portray it in a, like it's glorifying the drinking or is it showing the person who's being ruined by it? Yeah, definitely being ruined. He is a guy who was a towel boy in in Major League Baseball in the U.S. And Mm -hmm. he gets fired, essentially goes back to Monterey and he passes himself off to this Catholic priest as having been an MLB coach. (laughs) Oh, I Um, see. So the priest brings him in to help with the boys, and he has to clean up his wife. Yeah, has to clean up his wife and help. The the priest helps him. The boys actually help him to become a better man. And Mm -hmm. there's this one woman in Monterey who he's in love with, and she won't accept him when he's in shambles, essentially. And so he's trying to become a better man for everyone. Oh, that's a plus then. It sounds like a plus. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's a great suggestion, Justin. I had never heard of that movie before, and we will check it out. I'm sure parents right now are listening to this and writing down that movie name to check it out. Thank you for that. Reminds me of that movie that came out either in the late 50s or in the early 60s, as I recall. It was uh, called Our Lady of Fatima, and it was a big-budget, big-studio movie. Maybe you've seen it, about Our Lady's apparitions in Fatima, 1917. And there's always going to be a character in any successful movie who's a little bit eccentric and oddball. And in this movie, his name is Ugo. And he's sort of this this handsome, dashing town drunk. And, you know, he's a poor guy. He's in the bar all the time. You don't really see him tipsy or or anything. He's just a layabout. He's just this sort of bar fly. He's always in the bar, it seems. And that, to me, was a good character in part because he reforms his life. He becomes a serious follower of Jesus um, once the apparitions get going, and, and he believes the children. And he actually kind of acts in a more of a protector role in that movie. So if you're looking for a good, wholesome movie for your kids that includes the town drunk, I would recommend the movie Our Lady of Fatima. It's really good. And we have a couple notes here just before we get back to the phones. This is Patty from Schomburg writing in saying, um, my take on this issue would be the learning and teaching aspect. Coaches and students can learn and teach each other how to win the game and also how to accept losing as part of the game and still enjoy the sport. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, I think that's a great way to look at it. Uh, Janet in Madison, Wisconsin, listening on 1240 AM, Regarding kids who excel in academics, she says, I think some some of the same comments could be made for kids who excel in academics. Sometimes they feel they need to hold back to fit in with their peers. Good point. Yeah. I mean, we should teach the kids to excel and to be graceful and honorable, but to excel as best they can. Karen writes in from Alpena, Michigan just now, and she says, there are always winners and losers. If your team loses because you didn't smile enough, <laughs> then you're really a loser. Uh, I get it, Karen. It's tongue-in-cheek. I get it. But, yeah, this is life. Sports is a microcosm of life. Life involves competition. You see a pretty girl, and you want, and I'm talking about an unmarried man here, 
Married men, don't pay attention to this comment. Unmarried men, you see a pretty girl and you think, I really like her and you want to pursue her. Well, you might have to compete for her because she might already have a boyfriend. or she, There may be one or two or three other guys who are already trying to compete for her attention. That's part of life, pursuing the woman of your dreams and marrying her. That's part of life. And sometimes you lose, sometimes you win. But there's competition involved. There's competition in the workforce. There's competition for excelling in your chosen field, making enough money to pay the bills and, and all the things. There's always going to be some kind of competition and it's good insofar as you learn from it and it teaches you the virtues necessary to be graceful in winning and hopeful in losing. 888-914-9149. How about Dennis now, College Station, Texas? That's Red Sea Radio, I think, isn't it, Dennis? <laughs> It is indeed, Patrick. It's good yeah, to talk welcome. to you again. Yeah, you too. Yeah, hey, it, it's been a while since we've had you out. So, hey, I want to, I'm glad you're talking about victory uh, sports and, and yeah. virtues. Our apostolate, uh, Red C, stands for Religious Education for the Domestic Church, and we're mm -hmm. all about teaching the beauty of the faith through people's and their families' everyday lives. And what are people doing on a daily basis? Sports. Yeah. Right? You, you mentioned that, and that's what you're talking about and the phone lines are all full. Well, we've started um, Victory Youth Sports as a part of our apostolate. Mm. And it's been very good. We piloted it here in our area of College Station in Bryan, and the parents love it. It's a Catholic apostolate that is very competitive, teaches the fundamentals of the sports mm. as well as the fundamentals of the faith. So our tagline for Victory Youth Sports is the beauty of the faith through the beauty of sport. I like and it's it. It's been very, yeah, I do too. And it's been very, um, very popular with uh, families and their kids, Catholics and non-Catholics alike. And Does so, this encompass all the different sport. sports available or is it one particular sport? Well, we teach volleyball and football in the, uh, in the fall. Then we teach basketball over the winter and soccer through the spring. Ages That's one great. to six is what we what we're aiming on right now, but uh, we're looking to uh, expand it. Our diocese is very excited about this opportunity, and we're uh, hoping to expand this into areas around the state, and you know, God willing, you know, other places. We uh, if somebody listening right now, Dennis, wanted to say, "Hey, how do we get that going where we are? What, what would they do, or where would they look for more information?" Our website is victoryyouthsports.org. And, um, yeah, you can find out the information there and, uh, contact us is there and we'd be glad to talk to people about it, but it's all nonprofit. Um, uh, and great. it's, it's expanding. We're very excited about it and, uh, the families love it. It, this all was born out of COVID when people were still coming out after, after COVID had ended, people were still coming out for sports, but not for other aspects of the faith. And we thought, nah, this is, this is crazy. We've got to go where the people are. And so, we're teaching the faith through sport, and um, it's very competitive. We do keep score, and kids do cry, and we do teach them. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. it's beautiful to see because after a championship game, the, uh, the the losing team will be off crying somewhere, but then 10, 15 minutes later, they're playing with their, their other young brothers and sisters in Christ who just beat them. Mm -hmm. sharing, you know, sharing their faith. So it's, it's really a lot of fun to see. Say the name of the website again, please, Dennis. Okay, 
victoryyouthsports.org victoryyouthsports.org take note of that please young thomas we should get you on the drew mariani program i have no say in his (laughs) guests but i wouldn't be surprised i would would love for our our director of youth sports robin romanski to to be in that spot because she's the one that really developed the curriculum from the ground up Mm -hmm. we send out victory virtues we we bring the kids to adoration mass it's really a lot of fun. It's really a beautiful sight to see. Uh, it sounds like it. Well, it's been a long time, as you say, Dennis, since I was down to speak at one of the Red Sea Radio fundraisers. Um, mm-hmm. I appreciated all the hospitality, and I'm so glad that uh, you're great. carrying relevant radio programming there. Thank you for that. Yeah. God bless you, Patrick. Great to yeah, talk you to you too. Again. You too, Dennis. Thank you. Yeah, great group of people down there. And you know, Texas hospitality, it is legendary, and I'm I'm a beneficiary of it many times over. We'll take a break and we'll come back with more of the Patrick Madrid Show, including your emails, phone calls, plenty ahead right after this, 888-914-9149. Love it, don't love it, like it, hate it, regardless of how you feel, I've got some Joe Biden news for you that you need to know about. Whether you're for him or against him, I want to tell you something new that he said just yesterday. Has to do with abortion, by the way. I'll be right back. Looking for a new job? How about one that offers you opportunities for spiritual, social, and charitable growth? Our sponsor, the Catholic Order of Foresters, is hiring new agents today. Visit relevantradio.com slash forester. An Illinois life insurance company not available in all states. Keeping it relevant. It's the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Join the conversation at 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. No idea what this is, but that was Gene Hackman from Hoosiers giving a speech. Oh, but not this music, though. No, not this music. This is the Gene Hackman band. That's right. Before he got famous. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't even know what this is. Did you see that one guy on Twitter, Cyrus, trying to hold his own? I sure did. Trying to take pot shots. Yes, I did. (laughs) Uh, I'll bet he doesn't listen to the show. 888-914-9149. That number is sponsored by Catholic Order of Foresters. Uh, let's go to Nora in Brookfield, Wisconsin. Hi, Nora. Hi, Patrick. Um, I just wanted to say I think it sportsman starts early in the home when, you know, you're playing Candyland or shoots and ladders with your kid and they're happy when they win or they ball when they lose and, hmm. and how you treat them to deal with winning and losing, that it's nothing to do with their self-esteem or who they are, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you, you tell them? So. When you're when you're at the kitchen table playing shoots and ladders with the kids, and one starts to cry, what is your advice, or you know, how do you how do you handle that with a child like that? Well, I just say it's it's okay to to lose. You know, that doesn't mean anything. You know, that you're bad or anything like that. You know, we need to be happy for the one who won and be joyful with them. And then next time when they win, we're joyful with them. You know, and they just go back and forth and. Some handle it better than others, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. but yeah, so that's, I think, you know, it all starts like with everything, with your faith and everything, it starts in the home. (laughs) 
That's a good point. And I'll bet you that they, yeah. as they grow up, they look back and really appreciate those moments when you told them things like that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think so. All right. Well, thanks. Have Appreciate the call, Nora. Yeah, yep. thank you. Um, how about Meredith now in Chicago? Good morning, Meredith. Uh, hi, Patrick. Let me take you off the speakerphone. Sure. Okay. Um, I am calling with a question about how I need some advice on how to tell my daughter, um, like what to tell her when God is not answering her prayers. So I oh. am pregnant with my eighth, my eighth baby, and okay. we just found out that we're having another boy. Okay. So I have seven boys and one girl, which to me as a mom, it's fine. You know, like mm-hmm. I lived my life. I had my childhood. She's going to be so disappointed. She's been praying and praying. And I just don't know. I don't have anything else to give her. Cause I've given her everything, you know, after the past couple of pregnancies, like I told her, you know, God works in mysterious ways and he knows what's best for us. And we have to accept his will I just, I don't know what to say anymore. She's going to be so disappointed. What would you do? And tell me again, how old she is? She's going to be 10 in a couple of days. Okay. Well, I don't know. Maybe, maybe one thing you can tell her would be, honey, you don't always get what you want. And mm-hmm. sometimes the answer is no, because there's something better or more that God has in store. Just think you're going to have a beautiful little brother. And I know it would be nice to have a little sister, but God has a plan for this little brother of yours. And, you know, he's not an accident. He He's not hereby, you know, without God realizing it. So, you know, sometimes you don't get what you pray for because it's not something that God wants. Or, you know, we have to be patient. Sometimes God will give you what you pray for, but you may have to wait a while for that to happen. So I don't think it, at her age, at 10 years old, I mean, if anything, I would say there's a value in her understanding that just because she prays for something doesn't mean that she will get it. Because one of the problems is, it seems to me, Meredith, is that, I mean, and I'm sure you're handling it expertly, don't get me wrong, I'm sure you're doing a fine job of, of advising her, but we wouldn't want the children to grow up thinking, well, then what's the point of praying? You know, if I pray, 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 and I don't get what I want, Maybe God doesn't exist. Maybe maybe my prayers are, are worthless or pointless or futile. And that, of course, is not true. So it seems like part of realizing that is to understand that not everything you pray for is going to have a yes answer to. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah, I totally understand that. Yeah. So that's my thought. I mean, and, and as time goes on, she'll just learn this by... Um, you know, by experience, that sometimes the thing you really, really want, you don't get. And usually, at least in my experience, Meredith, maybe yours too, when you look back on things later, you realize, oh, well, something better happened. It wasn't what I wanted, but something better happened. Yeah, I I think for, um, like for me as an adult, I can definitely understand that and appreciate that. Uh, I guess I worry maybe as a child, it's kind of hard to, to go through that, but, um, yeah, I don't know. That's what I'll have to talk to her about. Yeah. And I have a feeling she's going to fall in love with that little baby brother right away and she'll love him and she'll be happy. And, you know, she'll forget that she was tearful that she didn't have a baby sister instead of a baby brother. Yes. Yes, of course. That's how it always works. You, you have the baby and bring the baby home and 
it's like a little baby doll and you know, she loves him and yeah. she's, uh, she's loved all of her brothers and it's great. I think it's just the initial disappointment. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, but yeah, she will absolutely I, love the baby. Yeah, that's good. That's good. And I think that's just life. So God bless you and your beautiful big family, Meredith. I'm so happy for you and your husband. Oh, well, thank you so much. You're welcome. And don't forget, Patrick's not a bad name for a boy, you know. Well, if that you ever is need true. A good now name. we have to come up with a boy name. Yeah, why not? Maybe Patrick. <laughs> hey, I will endorse that. Thanks, Meredith. I appreciate it. Um, before we went to the break, everybody, I promised you that I, I had some uh, Joe Biden information for you. And so I do. So again, whether you agree, disagree, like him, don't like him, not sure how you feel, uh, Steve Ertelts at Life News has got an article. Joe Biden announced at a pro-abortion rally yesterday that if Democrats win control of Congress, he will sign a bill for abortions up to birth. Um, Here it goes. Here's what's in the article. Um, El Presidente said, give me a Democratic House of Representatives and give me a bigger, bigger Democratic Senate where we will pass a new law restoring and protecting Roe versus Wade, and I will sign it up immediately. I believe he means it, too. Oh, yes. See, this is the mood music if we're going to talk about abortion and Planned Parenthood. I mean, you want some mood music to get you in the mood, right? Uh, It makes it very clear what we're talking about. Doesn't it just, though? Yeah, that's exactly what we're talking about. Shower scene from Psycho, by the way. Terrible, terrible. Oh, my God. It's a, ca- it's a classic movie, but man, what a terrible movie. But that music is perfect. Let me hear a little bit more of that. It just sets the, sets the tone. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. So he's saying, you know, gimme, gimme, gimme. And I, man, oh, man, I am going to have abortion to the hilt. Did I hear correctly, Cyrus, that Joe Biden is a Catholic? Did I hear that somewhere along the way? That's what I've I've seen. I, I I've heard. I that. don't see a lot of evidence. Well, I just I'm, I'm not just, judging. I'm just 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 you're uh, just smiling. Just observe. I'm smiling. I'm just observing. He says, "Give me a Democratic House of Representatives and give me a bigger, bigger Democratic Senate where we will pass a new law restoring and protecting Roe versus Wade, and I will sign it immediately." On the flip side, according to the article, he promised to veto any bill that limits abortions, even abortions up to birth. Now, partial birth abortion is what this is referring to, and you say, well, "What's that?" Well, Dr. Anthony Levitino. We may have the audio kicking around here in the studio somewhere. Maybe you can look around for that, Cyrus. But Dr. Anthony Levitino, a, a very long-standing and experienced OBGYN, he's giving some congressional testimony, and he explains what this kind of abortion is that um, Joe Biden is promoting. So if we, if we find that, maybe we can take a listen to that, because he just gives the science, and you have to follow the science, right? You have to listen to the science. So he's going to provide that. But let's continue. He says, as long as this is Joe Biden speaking to cheers from the enthusiastic pro-abortion cheerleading people there in the audience, as long as I have the powers of the presidency, know this. If Congress passes a national abortion ban bill, I will veto it. I believe he would. In Joe Biden's world, saving babies is, quote unquote, cruel. If he's 
he's careful to describe it in another way, falsely claiming that the pregnant women have to leave pro-life states to seek medical care, care elsewhere, even though every single pro-life state in America provides full care for women. Abortion, by the way, is not health care. Abortion is murder care. Um, the president said, today in America, women are being turned away from emergency rooms, forced to travel hundreds of miles to get basic health care. That's a lie. Forced to go to court to plead to protect themselves and their ability to then have children in the future. The cruelty, he says, is astounding, and it's a direct affront to a woman's dignity. Oh, by the way, put, let's press pause on that. How dare you say a woman? Because what do you mean by that? President Biden. I mean, what is a woman? As Matt Walsh so famously asked. How dare you say that? Because number one, you're assuming gender identity. You don't have that right. You don't know what gender the person has chosen. It could be a man after all who's pregnant, right? Or so I've heard anyway. Over six point or 65.5 million babies. I still have the duct tape from yesterday. Uh, this is I'm, I'm this is for me. Reinforce it. This guy. This guy. What can I say? Oh, thank you, Cyrus. Over 65.5 million babies have been killed in abortion since the Supreme Court handed down that infamous decision in 1973. That's Roe versus Wade. Well, men can't have an opinion on this, some women will say. Well, Hey, it was all men on the Supreme Court in 1973 who rendered their opinion, and you're a-okay with that, right? So some men can have some opinions. And by the way, President Biden is a man. I mean, uh, technically he is. I mean, I don't see any reason to say he's not. He's never said he's not. So he's technically a man, and he has an opinion. So what about all the... People who scream, you can't have an opinion because you're a man. Ha. He announced plans yesterday to expand both surgical and chemical abortions at a time when states already allow abortions up to birth. He's going to continue his desperate attempt to exploit a federal law that guarantees emergency medical treatment, quote unquote. Abortion is not medical treatment, by the way. It's killing an unborn human being. And uh, he's on record saying he wants to force emergency rooms across the country to do abortions, whether they want to or not. Federal courts, by the way, have already rebuked his attempt to turn ER doctors into abortionists. El Presidente Biden uh, stumbled multiple times in the speech, which was interrupted a dozen times by Hamas supporters. Huh. They like killing, too. Don't you know? They dig that, too. Maybe, you know. Not unborn people. They prefer killing like born people, et cetera, et cetera. Oh, he also said at one point in the, <laughs> we might even have this audio. This came from the speech. Don't mess with the women of America unless you want to get the benefit. I don't even know what that means. Do we have that audio, Cyrus? No, but I, I've been trying to decipher this for the last five minutes. Okay. Don't. Mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. That's it. That's it. That's the that's, that's he, that came from his speech. So how do they transcribe it? Because I <laughs> I cannot figure out. I'm taking it bit by bit, and I have no I'm idea still, what he's saying. I'm still outraged that he's assuming their gender identity by calling them women. I mean, how, what? A, so it's translated in this article. Don't mess with the women of America unless you want to get the benefit. 
So can we hear it again? Uh, yeah. Here, this me, is from that speech. Let me try. Don't mess with the women in America unless you want to get the benefit. What we'll benefit? Donald Trump. Uh, no, 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 no. Listen, just stay out of the politics. I, I, Turn it down. <laughs> right. Stay I, out of the I'm politics. I'm trying to get to that bit in the audio again. All right, one, 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 one more time. All right, listen, listen carefully. Just that part now. I know. I'm trying. I'm trying my best. Listen, don't mess with the men in America unless you want to get the benefit. Okay. Okay. What's the benefit? I don't know. Okay. So, I mean, this is big news. Uh, Joe Biden used the anniversary of Roe versus Wade to promote abortion and called the killing of 65.5 million babies since Roe versus Wade health care. Although uh, there is no right to abortion and ending the lives of babies before birth permanently deprives them of liberty and freedom. Uh, the president said, 51 years ago today, the Supreme Court recognized a woman's constitutional right to make deeply personal decisions for her with her doctor free from the interference of politicians. Then a year and a half ago, the court made the extreme decision to overturn Roe and take away a constitutional right. He added, as a result, tens of millions of women now live in states with extreme and dangerous abortion bans. <laughs> it's only, abortion is only dangerous when it happens. It's dangerous to the woman because... It's not uncommon for women to die. They bleed out. Uterus is perforated. They have other complications and they die. I'd be interested in seeing some statistics, how often that happens per every, I don't know, thousand abortions. But it's not an insignificant number. But it's always dangerous for the child who's being aborted. So he says... Uh, women's lives and health and lives are at risk in states across the country. Women are being turned away from emergency rooms, forced to go to court to seek permission for the medical attention they need and made to travel hundreds of miles for health care. This, of course, the article points out is totally false as every single pro-life law in America fully allows pregnant women to get medical care, including for ectopic pregnancies and miscarriages. I don't even want to read it anymore. It's just, it's just ridiculous nonsense he sits on a throne of lies, and um, I wanted you to know this because he's out there touting this. And if you are into that, then he's your man. If you're into this, if you are into abortions all the way up to birth, maybe we'll hear from Dr. Levitino about what that entails exactly. If that's your thing, then this is your guy because he is all about this. But if you're not into that, if you don't agree, I'm going to go out publicly and tell you I don't agree with this. If you don't think that it's morally permissible, or to put it differently, if you think it's morally reprehensible to kill the most innocent people in our population, these are the unborn children. If you don't think that that's a good thing, then pay attention to what he's saying. Because he's saying, you know, if you... If I have the power of the presidency, this is what I'm going to do. And we should take him at his word. We should take him seriously because he means it. I mean, he's shown us that he, he means it. So five, what's the number up to now, Cyrus? 500 million, 600 million memoraries that we've prayed to overturn abortion in this country. Something like that, right? Yeah, I can find out in... We have a memorari meter. Yeah, 
on the website. This is a big number, 568,360,502. All right. Prayers to so, abortion. Thank you for that. So would say the number again? Uh, 568,000,000 uh, prayers. Wow. Edging up to 600 million, a uh, little by little. So if you're on Team Jesus, if you're on Team Pro-Life, if you're on Team Save the Babies, however you want to call it, um, don't stop praying. Do not do not stop praying because there are plenty of people like the aforementioned President of the United States, who I'm told is a devout Catholic, whatever that may mean. I don't know. doesn't seem to make sense to me. But don't stop praying and don't stop working for the protection of life, as they say so often, from conception to natural death. Be pro-life in every respect, because there are people like him who are doing their darndest, or their damnedest, if you really want to know the truth, to promote abortion as long as they can. We'll take a break, and I'll be right back with your phone calls and your emails right after this. This hour sponsored by Christendom College. Send your child to Christendom College's high school summer program, The Best Week Ever. Use promo code RELEVANTRADIO and get 50% off. Spots fill up very quickly, so apply today at thebestweekever.com. That's thebestweekever.com. Welcome back to the Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio. Have a question? Give Patrick a call. 888-914-9149. That's 888-914-9149. Patrick Madrid on Relevant Radio. Cyrus, there's a good song. Uh, it's kind of a slow-moving song. It's called Good Time Charlie. Is it plays the blues or sings the blues? One of the two. But um, there's there's a line in there that you might find interesting in light of today's conversation about sports and such. So check it out. Um, I want to play now. I mentioned Dr. Anthony Levitino, long-term OBGYN. He's delivered tens of thousands of babies. He's taught on the the faculty. And in fact, I think he talks a little bit about his background. He's taught on the faculty of a major. Uh, hospital, I think it's in New York, if I'm not mistaken. So he, he's a scientist, he's a physician, he knows the field in and out, and he's giving some testimony here before Congress. And this is courtesy of Live Action, by the way. Shout out to Lila and Kalen and everybody else at Live Action. Thanks for all the good work you do. This is a clip that they have put on their website. And in just a couple of minutes, he explains really what President Joe Biden was touting in his speech yesterday about how he supports abortion until birth. And, you know, if you're into that kind of thing, it might be good to know what it actually entails. So here is this OBGYN explaining that. Take a listen. We hear all the time how abortion, including especially late-term abortion, is necessary to save women's lives. Nothing could be further from the truth. I spent nine years working at a tertiary medical center. I mean, there are only certain hospitals in the country that are designated to take care of the really, really high-risk pregnancies. It's, you don't want to duplicate the effort. It's expensive. So we would, these hospitals get referrals from the surrounding area. And Albany Medical Center in Albany, New York, where I worked, was one of them. I was faculty at the hospital for nine years. And I saw hundreds of cases of really severe pregnancy complications, cancers, uh, heart disease, intractable diabetes, out of control, toxemia, pregnancy, out of control. 
And I saved, in, the, in those nine years, I saved hundreds of women from life-threatening pregnancies. And I did that by delivering them, by ending their pregnancy by delivery, either induction of labor or cesarean section. Delivering the baby. Delivering the baby. And I always tell people, in all of those years, the, numbers of, the number of babies that I had to, that I was obligated to deliberately kill in the process was zero, none. And I'll give you an example. The key point about late-term abortion that so many people miss is that it takes days to prepare the cervix. This is not a natural situation by any stretch. If you're going to dilate a cervix sufficiently, that starts off essentially as a pinpoint large enough to dismember or tear apart a baby this big, that cervix has to be dilated, and that can take anywhere from 24 to 72 hours, and especially when you're talking about later-term pregnancies. Most life-threatening situations, the vast, vast majority of life-threatening situations in pregnancy are not going to arise until 24, 25, 26 weeks of pregnancy and higher. And when you're talking about that, you're talking about abortion procedures that take two and three days to prepare the cervix. And I'll give you a classic example. This is a real case. Um, a lady came to the hospital at 27 weeks of pregnancy with severe toxemia. Her blood pressure, you know a normal blood pressure is about 120 over 80. Her blood pressure was 220 over 160. Okay, this lady would literally be minutes or hours away from a stroke. What do you do in a situation like that? We stabilized her, brought her back, did a cesarean section, had her delivered within an hour of arriving at the hospital. She and her baby did just fine. Yeah, this is the first part of, the, of his testimony. The second part, which we'll hear uh, in due time here, is where he describes the actual process itself. Do we have that handy, Cyrus, or do we need a few minutes no, to get that right ready? Here. Okay. So this is continuation of Dr. Anthony Levitino. You heard his background and his credentials, etc. So now he's going to talk a little bit about what the late-term abortion means, what, is it, what actually happens. And it is gruesome, but it's something people need to know. And as I say, I mean, if you, if you back the Democratic Party's, Joe Biden's, you know, whatever, however you want to package it up, the pro-abortion agenda. And Joe Biden was getting cheers and, and hoops and hollers of enthusiasm from the audience when he was saying that he would do everything in his power as president to promote and enshrine and protect and extend abortion in this country up to and including birth well, then you should know what happens in that kind of an abortion. So here again, Dr. Anthony Levitino, who's explaining what happens. Second trimester D&E abortions performed between roughly 14 and 24 weeks of gestation. Your patient today is 17 years old. She's 22 weeks pregnant. Her baby is the length of your hand plus a couple of inches. And she's been feeling her baby kick for the last several weeks, but she's asleep on an operating room table. You walk into that operating room scrubbed and gowned, and after removing laminaria, you introduce a suction catheter into the uterus. This is a 14 French suction catheter. If she were 12 weeks pregnant or less, basically the width of your hand or smaller, you could basically do the entire procedure with this. But babies this big don't fit through catheters this size. 
After suctioning the amniotic fluid out from around the baby, you introduce an instrument called the sofa clamp. It's about 13 inches long. It's made of stainless steel. The business end of this clamp is about two and a half inches long and a half inch wide. There are rows of sharp teeth. This is a grasping instrument. When it gets a hold of something, it does not let go. A DNA procedure is a blind abortion, so picture yourself introducing this and grabbing anything you can blindly and pull, and I do mean hard, and out pops a leg about that big, which you put down on the table next to you. Reach in again, pull again, pull out an arm about the same length, which you put down on the table next to you. And use this instrument again and again to tear out the spine, the intestines, the heart and lungs. Head in the baby that size is about the size of a large plum. Can't see it, but you pretty good idea you've got it if you've got your instrument around something and your fingers are spread about as far as they go. You know you did it right if you crush down on the instrument and white material runs out of the cervix. That was the baby's brains. Then you could pull out skull pieces. And you have a day like I had a lot of times, sometimes a little face comes back and stares back at you. Congratulations, you just successfully performed a second trimester DNA abortion. You just affirmed her right to choose. Yeah, I can't add anything to that. Um, it is what it is. So just be aware. Well, you know, I have, I, I have two more minutes in this audio if you want to let oh, it play out. I wish they didn't have that background that music. music. It, it really it, it diminishes the impact of what he's saying. Somebody thought it was a bright idea to put background music on this. I wish they hadn't done that. But yeah, if there's time, let's listen to the how many how much more time? Ninety seconds, two minutes? That's right. About two minutes. Okay, Just so let's listen to the rest of what he has to say. One more question, Dr. Levitino. Why did you end your practice of doing abortions? I did over twelve hundred abortions over a four year period in private practice, now counting the ones that I did during my training. Um I met my wife at, um, during my first year of training at Albany Medical Center. We got married about a year later and found that we had an infertility problem. After years of failed infertility treatment and several years trying to adopt a child, we were blessed with the, adopting a, a little girl that we named Heather in August of 1978. Um, as sometimes happens in those situations, my wife got pregnant the very next month and we had two children ten months apart. Um, Two months short of my daughter Heather's sixth birthday, she was killed in an auto accident and literally died in her arms in the back of an ambulance. Anyone who has children might think they have some idea of what that feels like, but unless you've been through it yourself, you have no idea whatsoever. Um, I know people find it hard to believe, but uh, what do you do after disaster? You bury your child and then you go back to your life. And I don't remember exactly how long it was after my daughter died that I showed up at Albany Medical Center OR number nine to perform my first second trimester DNA abortion. I wasn't thinking of it as anything special. This was routine to me. Um, but I reached in, literally pulled out an arm or leg and got sick. You know, earlier on I described stacking up body parts on the side of the table. It's not to, you know, gross people out, to use a simple term. When you do an, an abortion, you need to keep inventory. You have to make sure you get two arms and two legs and all the pieces. If you don't, your patient's going to come back infected, bleeding, or dead. Um, so I soldiered on and finished that abortion. And I know it sounds, as I said, hard for people to believe, but I'm, I'm telling you straight up my experience. You know, after over 1,200 abortions, first and second trimester up to 24 weeks and all the rest of it, and being very dedicated to it, for the first time in my life, I really looked. I really looked at that pile of body parts on the side of the table. 
And I didn't see her wonderful right to choose, and I didn't see all the money I just made. All I could see was somebody's son or daughter. And I stopped doing late-term abortions after that, and several months later stopped doing all abortions. What a thing to have to live with. I mean, I don't know how many that would amount to. If he said if he did twelve hundred after he was out of training, um, who knows how many abortions that is? I can't imagine having to live with that on one's conscience. But thanks be to God, there's forgiveness and restoration in healing from an abortion. Whether you're the abortion doctor, or if you're the mother, or you're the, the the husband, or the boyfriend, or the mother, or the grandmother, or the father, or the person who pressured the woman to get an abortion. As long as I'm on that topic for a second, let me just put some cards on the table. If you ever pressured your daughter, your granddaughter, your niece, whoever she was, if you ever were the one who said, well, we can't have, you know, the shame come to the family, we can't have this kind of thing, think of the scandal, and and you encouraged or urged or pressured a, a girl, a young woman, a woman to have an abortion, you committed a terrible sin that Jesus wants to forgive. And you need to go to confession. If you're Catholic, you need to go to confession. You need to confess that terrible sin of encouraging or urging or pressuring your daughter or your wife or your granddaughter, whoever she may be, to have an abortion. Don't go to your grave with that sin on your soul. If you paid for an abortion, yeah, I'll pay for it. How much is it going to be? I'll pay for it. Go to confession. Confess in your heart right now to God that you're sorry for that. And then go to confession and receive sacramental absolution. And then be, let the healing process begin. I think we talk so often about the act itself and all that, that from time to time it's worth pointing out that there are usually people in the background, at least one, and as horrifying as it is, sometimes it's the very parents themselves who are telling their teenage daughter, you have to have an abortion. So if that describes you, don't leave anything to chance. Get that off your soul. Confess it. Be sorry for it. Confess it. And get rid of it. Now, there's no time for more phone calls, at least not in this hour. But we're heading straight into the next hour. And I have an avalanche of emails that have come in, probably over 50 in the last half hour or so. I'll see how many of those I can get to as well on the other side of this quick timeout. You're listening to The Patrick Madrid Show on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. 